Welcome to Boca, a podcast exploring the ever-blurring lines between the personal and business lives of professional photographers. This is your host, Nathan Holritz, and I'm excited to have you join me in connecting with photographers and entrepreneurs in the photography industry as we dive into real conversation about photography, business, and that sometimes messy thing we call life. This podcast is brought to you by Photographer's Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit photographersedit.com. And now, let's dive into conversation. Hey, Boca Podcast listeners, this is Nathan Holritz, your host. Well, I guess you just heard that in the intro, but we are actually here with episode number 59, and my friend Aaron Costa is here with me. Aaron, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. Yeah, me too. We're going to actually dive into an interesting conversation a little bit later, uh, the details of which cover a portrait workflow. And this is something that we haven't specifically discussed on the Boca podcast. We've been doing this for about a year now, so I'm excited to bring something new to our listeners. We'll get to that here in just a little bit, but I like to start the podcast off with kind of an aha moment, um, something that our guest may have learned even the hard way that they can share with our listeners so they don't have to repeat that mistake is what, what's the hardest lesson you've learned as a photography business owner? Gosh, I think it's still, and sometimes I feel like it's an ongoing lesson that I learn. And, and the biggest thing is, uh, as most photographers do, when you start out, you want to be everything to everyone. And I feel like I just wanted everyone to like me and everyone to want to hire me and for everyone to just like my work. Um, I wish I could say that I quickly learned that I needed to kind of, um, set some goals and figure out who I was as a person and as a business person. But I guess I'd say slowly learned that in order to be successful in business and to thrive, that you're not going to be able to be everything to everyone at once. Um, I think that you need to decide and set your own business mission and goals and stick to them and not to take it personally when maybe someone doesn't hire you or maybe they don't necessarily like your work. And I feel like as photographers, as artists, that we definitely pour our hearts into our work and maybe it's often a reflection of who we are. So it is really hard not to take it personally maybe when someone doesn't hire you or isn't happy or this is like the crazy one, like maybe tells you that, oh, you're just too expensive for me and like not to take that personally, sure. even though you've worked to get where you are. And it's like, oh gosh, maybe they're right. So, but to step back and just, not personal and at the end of the day it is business and you might not be a good fit with everyone but that's okay uh, there, there are so many different directions we could go with this <laughs> now I, I really love the way that you started this out and there's so much um, just good information there and good reminders for us this is a topic that we hit on the Boca podcast quite a bit because I think it's important for really all of us including myself I'm not I'm no longer photographing weddings, but still being in the photography industry and owning a business, the importance of, first of all, having goals. You, you mentioned the importance of establishing goals and what those goals do for photography business owners is give them direction. Exactly. And that direction then allows you to filter through the potential clients that aren't a good fit for your business. So I think that's a really, really great reminder. And then the other thing too, I'm, I'm actually curious about this. So at, just to play maybe even devil's advocate a little bit. If a photographer <laughs> says, hey, look, I, I'm just starting. Should I not take all the business that I can possibly get, all the different types of photography? Uh, what would you say to them in that case? Um, I Okay, so as starting out, I think that that's still okay because you still need to figure out who you want to be as an artist and as a photographer, and that's okay. Like you need to shoot, I feel like 
you need to shoot the newborns and you need to shoot, you don't need to shoot a wedding, but if you're unsure of the direction that you're wanting to go, you just love photography, you're just starting, you're kind of feeling your way around. I think that it's okay, but I think that you need to walk away from those and really analyze, like, what did you love about it? Like, is it a good fit with who you are as a person, who you think you want to be as a brand and what you ultimately want to evolve into? So I think, I mean, honestly, starting out, I think that that is okay. That, okay, that's really good advice. And maybe some may be wondering, like, what's the timeline? How long did it take you, Aaron, to kind of establish your brand position? So when I started out, I was obviously shooting everything, too. <laughs> um, I was doing a lot of portraits, but there was a part of me that always had been fascinated with weddings. And I just kind of knew that I wanted to shoot weddings. And so for me, I was still developing my skills because the skills as a portrait photographer, you can translate and do into wedding photography as well. There's a, definitely a lot of things that are different, but you get that basic skill level down and you can transfer those over. Um, so I kind of, it took me maybe like a year or two of once I really decided to pursue photography, that weddings was my primary, what I wanted to do and then portraits as well. That makes sense. So I, I think this is really a good, well, first of all, it's a good reminder for all of us as business owners, just the importance of establishing kind of that big picture view, which is something we've talked about in the podcast before, the long-term goals, those overarching goals that help give us direction. It gives us something to work toward. And as I mentioned earlier, it helps us filter through clients that may not be a fit. And then for those who are getting started, it's okay to experiment, experiment, explore, but ultimately yeah. you need to get to a point where you've established a brand position um, there is, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the book. I think it's called the 21 Ir Irrefutable Laws of Marketing. Um, I will put a link to this book uh, in the show notes so you guys get the exact title and uh, you can link to it on Amazon. But um, in, that, in that book, one of the things that they talk about is the importance of a position. And my friend, uh, Kevin Swan, one of the ways that he describes this is, is having kind of establishing a hill or finding a hill that you can stand on. And I think it's a really mm -hmm. good picture because the photography industry right now is so busy. And this is a story I've told before in the podcast, but I, I remember going to networking meetings and you'd have you know four, five, six photographers there and they are going around introducing themselves to the local wedding market and saying, I specialize in, and then filling in the blank with like you know three, four, five different types of photography. And so what happens there is that they just become another generic photographer and they don't stand out. They don't have a hill that stands above the rest. So it's really important, even if it takes a year or two years, a little bit of time to experiment and explore and figure out, as you say, what you want to be as an artist, make sure to get to a place where you've clearly established that position so that you can stand out amongst the very, very noisy photography industry now. And that will help you build a business effectively. So Again, this is For really sure. wonderful reminders, and, and I really appreciate you starting us off with, with some really good stuff. Um, <laughs> let's let's get to know you a little bit personally, though. Something sure. we, we don't talk a little bit or an, enough about on the Boca Podcast really is what we do with our free time. Because at the end <laughs> of the day, free time? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, and, and it's so easy to get to that place, and I'm guilty of it. But you know, as entrepreneurs, I still think one of the biggest benefits is the freedom, the flexibility that we can have. And yep. ideally, we're we've created a, a business model that enables us to have that that free time. What do you like to do with your free time? So I'm definitely, I am obsessed with traveling. I got the opportunity to study abroad in college and was definitely bit by the travel bug. But on like a day-to-day -day basis in my free time, I'm one of those crazy CrossFitters. <laughs> so Define crazy. <laughs> well, I think people just hear CrossFit and they're like, oh, you're one of them. 
it's like that unspoken call. There's like, oh, okay, you're one of them. <laughs> like, you know, and so you're like, okay. So I'm like, yes, I love CrossFit. I've been doing it for almost three years. So that's kind of definitely a great outlet for me too. And I will say it definitely helps for anyone listening who deals with the like wedding hangover feeling after a wedding. Like I don't get those anymore. Like, Interesting. Very minimally. Like it's great. Yeah. <laughs> and would you say just because you, it helped you become healthier or in better shape? Yeah. Or? Like I grew up, I mean, my dad was military. So he had me in the gym at a really early age, which is kind of ridiculous. Like I'm this <laughs> little like scrawny 10 year old in this gym with like these big special force, like army guys, oh, my word. like grunting. And I'm like, okay. Um, I was like literally like, I'm not even kidding. Um, but so I've grown up like fitness, but CrossFit was the first thing that I stuck to that just I didn't even have to think about like I just go because, you know, you get in those slumps if you just go to the gym where you're just like, oh, I don't want to go today. Like, why do I want to go sit on the oh, treadmill sure. or go? And so it's just it changes day to day and it's very challenging and it definitely pushes me. So I really, really enjoy it in that perspective for sure. And did you find the community aspect of it appealing? Because that's one of the things that I yes, hear. Yes, okay. definitely. Yeah. So I call them like our gym family. We definitely became very close and still very close with a lot of them. And it's definitely a great community, very supportive. Like when you're just wanting to just quit and drop that barbell and you're just like, why am I here? Why am I doing this again? <laughs> like I pay for this, really. But just very supportive community. And then definitely I love hanging out with my gym family. Oh, I, I can imagine. Well, I just actually got back from uh, Yosemite. I, I did a kind of a long oh, nice. weekend trip with uh, a number of guys there, nine of us actually all together. And one of the things we did is we hiked to Half Dome. It's it, all together was about a 17 mile hike or so. And the guy that oh, I ended wow. up pairing up with um it was a crossfit coach uh for, oh, for nice. the longest time and he was just in incredible shape and um kind of a good reminder N not just <laughs> and, and you know you you might think or some might think anyway that you get these crossfits cr crossfitters who are you know extremely muscular and they can lift all this weight but a yeah. lot of that work translates then to cardiovascular health as well for sure. And, um, yeah, he certainly displayed that. It was pretty incredible. <laughs> but um, I, I love the community, the idea of community, anything that encourages community. And that's wonderful that you have that. And then you mentioned travel, too. Do you have yeah. like a favorite place that you've been to that you, you would recommend to everybody? Um, I still I still say Scotland. Um, it's just one of the most beautiful, scenic just unbelievable places like you've ever been especially if you like hiking you like the outside and just kind of going to I mean who doesn't love like old castles and oh my just, word yeah yeah like the crazy like just the rolling hills and everything it's just Scotland was just unbelievable I mean I've been kind of all over Europe but that's still probably my favorite place that I've been. Oh man, I'm so jealous. Yeah, I definitely want to go. And and who doesn't like castles? I love that. It, it's yeah. it's got to seem almost surreal when you're seeing that. Most of us are used to just seeing them in a movie or in a book. To actually see something like that in front of you has to be amazing. Yeah, because some of the places that we visited, like you've like they've had in movies and stuff. So it's like, oh, I've actually been there. Like it's really cool. Oh, that is cool. Um, yeah, and just like crazy stuff. Like we jumped in the Loch Ness. Like no way. Loch Ness monster. Yeah. yeah. It's not as glamorous as it sounds. Like it's filled with super slippery rocks that you can literally walk like two steps out before you probably are going to face plant and like you're crawling on all fours. Oh, but wow. we did it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you yeah. had the experience. Did, yeah. Of course, the, the most important question is, did you see the monster? Uh, no, sadly, he did not come out that day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, let's let's kind of take a step back uh, or sure. transition back to, to business. And, and this is something I'm excited to get into. Um, you have a business and marketing degree from UNC. And so I'm curious to understand how you went from kind of that focus in school to being in wedding and portrait photography. 
Sure. So I actually went to NCW down here in Wilmington, and my story's kind of funny. I actually went to school on a full nursing scholarship. Wow. And yeah, so how my do you get a, nurse... a full nursing scholarship? What, what um, was the... So my mom's a nurse practitioner here and was like into nursing. So I thought, you know, I was going to follow in her footsteps, become a nurse. And that's what I really thought I wanted to do. And so I got accepted in North Carolina and I think other states might do it too. But if you um, get accepted into this program, basically they'll pay for you to go to school. If you work as a nurse for a couple of years after you graduate. That's so state. cool. Yeah. And so I went to school for that. And probably midway through sophomore year, I just started sitting in my classes and I'm like, this is not for me. Like, I'm just like, I love, I got my CNA at the time. So I loved kind of making rounds and seeing my patients and getting to know them. But when I'm like sitting in anatomy, I had this professor who on the first day was just like, I fail the most amount of students like on this campus of any other professor. I'm like, great. I can't wait to start your class. <laughs> way to like, set a great environment for yeah, learning. Yeah. Like awesome. So I'm just like sitting there and I'm just like, this is not what I want to do. Like finally realizing like, oh, what do I want to do with my life? But I know it's not this. And so I made the decision and, um, that I was going to switch into business. Still wasn't really sure the direction that I wanted to go with that, but I had to like call home <laughs> and say, Hi, mom. I'm giving my scholarship up. So that oh, was wow. kind of. Yeah, that was, was that fun. a tough thing? Like, I know um, I, yeah. for example, my career went a totally different direction than than my parents, and that was a that was like I wouldn't say a point of contention for a while, but I mean, it certainly well, it just it wasn't what they were hoping for. I don't think did that. Did you kind of run into that at home as well? Yeah, both. I mean, my mom's a nurse. My dad was in the military for many years, and now he teaches. So very both, just very practical people. And so, um, yeah, when I called and was like, you know, I'm, I'm giving up my scholarship and I'm going to switch into the business school. It was like, well, why would you do that? Like, even if you don't know what you want to do, you might as well just continue down this path and at least graduate, you know, school's paid for. And I'm like, no, you're not listening. Like this is, I can tell you like, this is not what I want to do. Um, and it took a while. Um, even now she's just, my mom will still say like, I can't believe like this is where you're at. Like I never saw this coming, you know, and it's kind of like she's accepted it now and she's proud of me, but it definitely took many years after that switch. But so, yeah, I switched into business school and kind of I'm so glad because once I switched, I knew like I just was sitting in class. Like I loved all of my classes, which is super nerdy and geeky. I know, but like I loved being in them and hearing about marketing and business and truly understanding that, um, and throughout that time, like I always had a camera in my hand and it still was kind of like not like my first thought. I never thought, oh, I'm going to make a career out of this. Like, no, it was just like I love taking pictures. It's kind of like my thing. Um, once I graduated, I went to work for a corporate company um, outside of Philadelphia. And so I bought my first Canon Rebel. <laughs> Yes. Ooh, yes. I, I think, yeah. I think I, it'd be interesting actually to kind of do a survey to see how many photographers that that was their first camera. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was, I mean, it was the best, right? <laughs> um, so I started shooting kind of on the weekends as like my kind of my outlet, my creative outlet and like just job was very, very stressful. And it was just my way of just kind of relaxing and like having that way to de-stress. And so after a couple of years of snow and Philly, I moved back to North Carolina to be closer to my family and just kind of picked back up my camera even more being close to um, my family and a lot of my friends, my sister was starting her family and was starting to have children. And so it kind of just spiraled into that. And 
by happenstance, a couple years later, I moved into an apartment complex that happened to be right next to Tamara Lackey's studio in no Durham. Way. Yeah. And so I was like, I don't know who this is, but let me look her up. <laughs> and of course, she's amazing. And I ended up taking my first workshop from her and just learned so much and then just really made the decision. Then I was still working in corporate, but started really pursuing photography and was like, you know, I think this is ultimately what I want to do. Um, so I was still working full time and I started almost full time into photography at that point. Um, about a year after I took her workshop, I went to work for her part time. So I was shooting um, like family portraits for her while I was pursuing um, and kind of learning weddings and second shooting and starting to really get into weddings on my own. Wow. Get, and, get, like ideal best of both worlds scenario. Yeah. I, if I like it literally was the luckiest thing ever. And like I just, you know, not that like luck has everything, but it was just it really was like I just moved in next door and kind of. <laughs> wow. That's so cool. Been, yeah. And so it just spiraled from there. And then in 2014 is when I finally quit everything like my full-time corporate job and pursued photography full-time that's really really great now I'm, I'm really curious that the piece of this that I'm particularly curious about though yeah. is you got a business and marketing degree first of all when you when you started that degree or kind of moved in that direction yeah was it almost like relief where you were like oh this is definitely what I wanted to do yes okay. and I still and honestly I didn't know what necessarily I wanted to do with it um, but I knew when I was um, in the business school. And, um, I did study abroad, like I mentioned before, like with the program, I was just fascinated. We did international marketing. I just, I loved every aspect of the business side of it. And that's, I still do. And so I think that that has definitely helped me transition into, especially when I started when it came to opening my own business on my own. Yeah. Well, and that, that's the, you know, the conversation, if I were to have a conversation with somebody who's like, I'm going to go to school, I want to be a photographer. I'm going to go to school. I'd say right away, make sure that you study business because, business. you know, at this mm -hmm. point you can, you can learn most and some may, may kind of uh, disagree with me, but most of what you need to learn, you can go on YouTube and learn with a camera in about three months now. And For sure. And so that's that education is free. You can learn it very, very quickly. But the thing that doesn't enable you to be sustainable uh, is that that very photography education. I know that like I, I talked to um, I had a number of friends actually uh, that went to Brooks Institute in mm -hmm. Santa Barbara. It's no I don't I think they actually closed. Down. I think they did. Yeah. But it was like 100 grand to get an, a degree there. And you walk mm -hmm. away, I guess, being a decent photographer but not really knowing how to actually run a photography business. So yep. I'm, I'm curious, you having a business marketing degree, how has that, like, how's that benefited your photography business? And maybe we can kind of add to that. What would you recommend to photographers? I mean, education wise, if they're not going to go to school, what are the things that they need to, to really make an effort to learn on their own? Sure. Well, first thing it would be definitely learn your numbers. I would say if you're going to take any type of class in the business, or I'd go take an accounting class understand like cost you quickly learn how to do your cost of doing business and your cost of goods and just everything and how that all translates together and understand your taxes and filing sales tax there's just so many things on that part of it that's so tedious and I feel like is, is often overwhelming when photographers are starting out and so they avoid it <laughs> it's like oh I don't want to learn how to do this so I'll just kind of pretend it doesn't exist maybe yes and I was I was totally <laughs> guilty of that and that, that ended up really kind of biting me in the rear end I mean it was I, this this is probably the one thing if, if anybody were to ask me, hey, what's the biggest mistake you made or the biggest aha moment for me, it would definitely be 
I, well, I, I would just say I should have paid better attention to or managed my finances better. And the cool yeah. thing now, and maybe I, I'm curious to get your take on this, the tools that are available now, I mean, even QuickBooks oh. online, like I, I remember yes. QuickBooks from like, I mean, I was in business from about 2001 until 2000, I was shooting until about 2012. And QuickBooks was a piece of software that you bought for your computer and it was kind of clunky. And of course, then they yep. made the move to QuickBooks online and it's, and it's so intuitive now. So the idea of keeping, like being able to pull up a profit and loss statement or um, tracking your cost of goods or otherwise, these things, are, are they not much easier now with these tools? So much easier. And like with QuickBooks and a lot of these systems, you can have someone come and set it up for you and customize yes. it to exactly what you need. So there's no excuse. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, so, and they can get it set up for you. And if you have questions, there's definitely people that can help. And if you there's certain things in business that you absolutely hate doing, then outsource it. Like at the end of the day, you're going to save so much more money than you think by avoiding it and like doing it that way. So just outsource it if you hate it that much. <laughs> For sure. Well, and you know, the cool thing about, again, using a tool like QuickBooks Online is it, it doesn't take a whole lot of effort to A, invoice a client. That information no. then comes into your account. It's tracked automatically. And if, if you need to categorize expenses and so forth, that doesn't have to take a lot of time. I, I have most actually, of them auto categorize once you set it up. That's too. true, and that's true. <laughs> yeah, so there's it's not like it takes a whole lot of effort to make mm -mm. this happen. You can supplement that effort then with an accountant or at least a bookkeeper, and it really doesn't have to be overwhelming. And then not only are you able to um, actively, well, of course, keep up with anything that you have to do with sales tax or your income tax. But then it also enables you to be an intelligent business owner who can look at the numbers and make decisions about their business, um, right. it, whether you know, there are changes that need to be made or more effort put in or in, in energy put into one segment of the business or another. These types of intelligent, uh, this type of intelligent awareness and intelligent decisions can be made because you're you're spending. I mean, it could be seriously it'd be as little as ten or fifteen minutes a day, just making sure everything is in its place. So it doesn't take that much effort. And this is a really good reminder um, for our listeners. Would you add anything else to that? The accounting would be the number one. Yeah, for sure. And then, uh, well, so accounting is kind of along the same line. Get some kind of like studio management software. There's so many options out there right now that are available that like um I love tracking my leads and seeing where they came from and where our referrals are coming from and that kind of goes back to as well like when I go to sit down and make a marketing plan for next year I can see okay I'll advertise with say like the wedding wires or not or whoever you advertise with okay well I only got 10 leads and maybe two people but okay I know I'm not going to renew with them like it enables you it gives you that power to sit there and be like okay no I'm I'm not going to renew with you and when they call you and they badger you and they will yeah. you're able to say I'm able to just pull up mess and say I'm sorry like this is what these are how many people inquired with me this is how many people booked with me this is why I'm not renewing and when you're able to have that power in your hands and give that back to them you're like oh okay like educate yourself <laughs> like yeah. then you know <laughs> absolutely the, the education or the awareness again by just using a, a, a what can be a relatively I, I know that setting up some of these CRMs can be a little bit complicated but at the end of the day you make that effort up front the investment and time up front and then you've got a tool that enables you to be aware as a business owner and you can make intelligent decisions that way. Is there a particular CRM that you're using? Uh, we are using Tabe. Okay. And this, yep. this is a system I've looked into a little bit before um, and it's been around for a little while. I, I don't mm -hmm. think they are, it's not a system that is photographer specific, but it's quite flexible, isn't it? It is. It's very customizable. And I mean, there's a little bit of a learning curve once when you're getting set up, but there's a lot, they have a great support group and there are people with them that you can actually pay to, again, help 
get you set up if you don't know, if you're not familiar with working with those type of systems. Um, it makes it pretty easy and seamless. And usually if someone's asking a question in the group, there's a bunch of people chiming in pretty quickly on Perfect. like to help and do, yeah. yeah, it's, it's great. Speaking of the benefits of community again. Yeah. It's so, yeah. You know, these Facebook groups where everybody can just jump in and help each other out and, and using a service or a product, it, it's so helpful and it saves so much time for photographers. We're pretty lucky to be in this kind of day and age. It sounds, I sound yeah. a little bit like my parents to, to use that <laughs> phrase, but um, instant this, information. Yeah, absolutely. And, and help as well. So that's really great. Now we mentioned that, um, I think you mentioned earlier, you're based in Wilmington, North Carolina. Yep. So you're seaside town. Um, and you've got a, a profitable, like a really exciting portrait, but you, you mentioned earlier actually how busy you've been, the really busy portrait business there. What's that market like? What's it like to be in a seaside town and, and photographing portraits there in that area? Yeah. Um, as I know a lot of people cringe when they hear beach portraits and honestly I used to as well. Um, but this is definitely a very small, like you said, beach town. Um, my studio is actually located right outside of Wilmington. So I'm kind of in between Wilmington and Jacksonville, which is Camp Lejeune. If anyone's military, they're probably familiar. It's one of the largest yeah. marine bases yeah, in the U.S. So we definitely have a very crazy influx of people and just a very diverse group of people constantly in and out. Um, and so we're very much like a destination market for sure with both weddings and portraits for myself. And that's kind of the challenge for us, especially with portraits. Um, Topsail Beach is the main beach where we photograph at. And it's probably like 20 five miles long. So it's a pretty large wow. beach near us. Yeah. And so, um, when I first moved down here and I was still only kind of focusing on weddings, um, as you have to do in business, take a look at your numbers and you sometimes have to pivot and you have to figure out ways to bring an in income. And I mean, I'm sitting right here in this beautiful beach town and obviously everyone wants portraits when they're visiting or traveling. And, you know, not a lot of people get their families together that often. So we started doing that about two years ago. And since that time, I have just, it's really taken off and it's actually turned into something that we really enjoy as a studio. Um, one of the challenges that we do face, like I said, is because it is destination. So a lot of people, we, uh, some of our families will see year after year slowly, but a lot of people we won't see again, or they come in briefly and kind of that's it. So we have to be able to quickly provide a great service and an experience and kind of gain that rapport and turn that into an amazing experience for them so that they're walking away feeling like, man, that was awesome. Like, I would definitely do that again. Because I know sometimes family portraits are like, oh, I never want to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I still remember the family portrait experience growing up where we'd go to the, you'd go to a portrait studio and we had to dress up. And then my dad was so particular about the way that, that he wanted us to, to look, you know, the expressions. Yeah. And it, it was, it was a bit of a, a nightmare. Um, so I, I can imagine that that would be challenging. And then especially for people coming in from out of town, so they're not necessarily mm -hmm. in, well, I mean, they're not in their environment if they're coming from out of town. And so they, you have to help them not only feel comfortable in front of the camera, but in an environment that they're not familiar with. Um, I can imagine that'd be a little bit challenging. And then the marketing too, this is something that, that popped in my head. How is it that you go about marketing the service when people are coming from out of town? So we've definitely made a big thing. So once we started really booking a lot of portraits and realizing, you know, this is, we love doing this. We're going to pursue it more. Um, we, um, I really worked on, on my SEO, which was huge for me um, okay. and kind of got us to a good point where we were like, if you Google just down here, like we're coming up on the first page for weddings. And then like if wow. you Google top, so like we're coming up for, yeah. 
So I really put a lot of time and effort into that. But also I'm hearing focusing. a second episode, podcast episode <laughs> interview with you about SEO. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a whole other beast. It's oh, like, yeah. Everyone's for sure. like, what is that? Um, we actually just went through a um, kind of a revamp or actually in the process of a revamp. We had a guy named Ben Turner. Uh, with Turner Web Services, he's we worked with him before. Really, really intelligent guy, and he went through and did um, an assessment of our our website, just where it stood SEO wise with photographers at it. Uh-huh. And um, we got I I have not ever seen literally I've never seen a spreadsheet this big before. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> with all the feedback that we got, so we have our, our work cut out for us. And and Haley, who heads up our digital marketing, is kind of putting together a plan for our developers to then go in and do the work. But um, it it really yeah. can be a lot of a work. Uh, that's it's literally I feel like if I would go back to school, maybe I'd probably focus on like IT or something like that. Yeah, because, yeah. Or like computers because it's crazy. It's definitely its own beast and trying to keep up with Google constantly changing. But yeah, that's definitely its own side thing. But so we um, I really focused on that and then really focused on reaching out to our clients afterwards and getting those reviews. And so all, we, every time we shoot a, a portrait or even a wedding or anything like that, we're asking for a review afterwards because if they're happy with the service that you're providing and they're happy, there's no reason for you not to ask for it. It helps you. They're happy to do it for the most part. Sometimes they don't. People get busy and they go back to their lives. But ask for that review because that's been a huge thing for us because people are like, oh, I found you on Yelp or I found you on Google and I read all your reviews and they're great. And for them, it's that's instant almost trust with them when they're seeing these other people talk about their experience with me or with Cassie or different things like that. So you're kind of already gaining that trust before they even reach out to you. Yeah. The fact that they would share about you in a public forum like that is really important. And I, and I was going to ask you too, on, on what platforms so you said Yelp and Google are kind of the two main So ones. I don't ever add like Yelp's a good one. I don't, I'm probably bad because I don't really ask for Yelp reviews. I focus mine on, um, Google for the most part. Okay. And then I ask my brides for wedding wire. Cause that's, that's where they have just always gone Okay, and it's an easy platform. So, um, a lot of times with my brides too, I will ask them to copy whatever they write to wedding wire and paste it into Google. Cause there's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's doable. You can ask, I promise it doesn't really take them that much extra time yeah. <laughs> if they're writing it in wedding wire to copy it and put it over somewhere else. Yeah. That's really interesting. You do that. I'm such a low pressure salesperson and, and so I am I, too, but for that, I'm like, do you mind please? That's really cool. <laughs> and what, what percentage of your clients would you say respond positively to that? like 70 percent wow that's you know, impressive so, yeah like we'd really try to like if we can like ask because for us especially like i said with we're we don't really get to meet our clients and a lot of times even with weddings and so having that has been huge for us huh that's really interesting well th- this is uh, this is good perspective for our, our listeners to existing photographers and newer photographers to consider what they might be doing to create a bit more presence i mean online obviously this is and this has been a top point of conversation for years and years now, but considering how we do that as times change, as technology changes and the popular platform switches from one to the next, Switch, yeah, um, it's really important to consider these things. Um, if, if you guys will make sure to, to link to Ben Turner's SEO service um, in the uh, in the show notes. But yeah, Aaron, I'm, I'm seriously, I may be sending you a quick email again and asking you to come back on and talk a little bit about SEO and what you've learned because oh, this is gosh. such a huge topic. <laughs> but I want to respect your time. I know we've been chatting for a little bit and I, I want to dive into kind of this portrait workflow that you've established. Sure. And, you know, I, I made the connection earlier. You were talking about your dad being in the military and I'm like, oh, okay. So you, you've learned because you seem to really have... 
I, you just have a, a certain structure and organization about you uh, and the way that you communicate <laughs> even on your, your website. And now it makes a little bit more sense. Dad in the military, <laughs> that probably got passed down a little bit. but A little bit. Might be a little bit OCD, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but this is really good because it's not necessarily the natural tendency of every photographer in our industry. You've come up with a workflow that works really, really well. And so I'm wondering if you might uh, walk our listeners through the portrait workflow that you've created sure. for your studio. Um, so after our first summer of shooting beach portraits, I had decided at that point that we, I really wanted to, uh, do in-person sales. I really wanted to provide our clients with the experience, but also something tangible when they were walking away. So we do print, um, wall art albums, different things like that. So the trick with them is, um, with people coming in a time, they're usually here for six, maybe seven days um, for their vacation. So we had to figure out a way to quickly do the shoot and then get them back in to see their proofs before they left. Um, the biggest challenge with that was obviously workflow turnaround, but we learned to schedule them at the beginning of the trip. So most people will come like Saturday to Saturday or Sunday to Sunday. So we schedule our shoots on Sunday, Monday, or Tuesday at the latest. Um, we'll when they initially inquire, we let them know then, you know, this is how we operate. Um, we'll try to schedule you guys on Monday, Tuesday. Sometimes whether, you know, things happen, different things, and we have to push to the end of the week, and then it won't always happen ideally. But for the most part, we shoot the beginning of the week. We'll go out once they decide to book. We'll go out, we'll photograph the session. We'll come back the same night and call everything from the session, and then we send it off to photographer's edit. And then usually we get that back within two days. And so on Thursday or Friday before they leave the beach, we invite them to come back into the studio and go through edited proofs. And at that time, they'll pick out their prints, wall art, we'll design albums. They want to do something like that. And then we will just have everything just uh, shipped straight to their house. The end. All right. We can, we can be done now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I love the simplicity of that. No, in all seriousness, though, the fact that you've just got it, you've got it planned out. It's so straightforward. Um, you, you saw what needed to happen in order to kind of accommodate this particular type of client that, that is coming in from out of town to be there for a certain amount of time. And so I, I kind of want to dig into it just a little bit. So the, in, sure. the inquiry, when they inquire, there's, there's a word that I wrote down when we were chatting earlier before I hit the record button and the word expectation. And yes. this is something I chatted just recently with one of our guests about on, on the, uh, the book of podcast as well, but it's really important to establish expectations so that they understand mm -hmm. the process they know what to expect really from from beginning to end that helps create a better client experience and that's so so vital it's very vital because if you're not letting them know from the get-go um how you operate or that you're expecting them to come in and see their proofs or different things and letting them know you're not going to get them in or they're going to be upset when they know or when they find out or different things so from the like beginning, once they inquire, we have a very detailed email template that goes out. Everything is bulleted, underlined, bolded. We link to like our website where we have a page of information again for them. It kind of tells them our vision, like why we do what we do. This is the process. And basically, this is our process. Here's our pricing. And then here's how you book. Everything's right there. And whether they call into the studio, even if they call in, we go through that with them over the phone, but we're also going to follow that up with an email. So again, they still have it because so oftentimes smart. it'll go in one ear and out the other. And then they'll be like, well, you didn't tell me. And yep. so we follow everything up with an email again, linking to our pricing, our vision. So they have that. Um, and then once they book, 
we are saying, yeah, we're super excited. If it's myself or my associate Cassie who's going out, we reach out a couple of days before the shoot. We just confirm everything again. You know, if you have any questions, we're really excited. Can't wait to work with you. Um, when they book as well, we have kind of a questionnaire that goes out to them and it's like customized for different things. But one of the big things at the bottom of it is we're really excited to get you into view your proofs before you leave. If there's anywhere, like start looking now in your house, if there's somewhere that you think you want to hang wall art or if you're thinking about an album, just, just try to keep that fresh on their mind. So it's there. And it's again, reiterating what we've been saying from the beginning. And then when we're shooting the, um, the session, we get really excited. Like, oh, that is such a great picture. It's going to be an amazing canvas on your house or, you know, something along those lines and get them excited. And then as we're leaving the shoot, we're going to like Cassie or if it's me or whoever, like, oh, great. We had such a great time. Um, what day do you think is going to work best for you? Thursday or Friday to come in? Great. Well, we're going to email just to confirm. Like, I'll send them the studio address. Great. Can't wait. And I often hear from people, oh, well, they're not going to come in. They're on vacation. They're never going to come in and see their proofs. That's like this in-person, that's not going to work for me. They're too busy. Wrong. They're on vacation. They're excited to see their proofs. Like they just shot family pictures. Like they can't, they want to see them. That's you know, cool. they want to, yeah, they're, and they're excited to come in. Well, I have to say that probably speaks to the experience that you've created too. I mean, it's not like you just, oh, by the way, we finished your shoot now. You're going to come in soon. You've already created this expectation. So they, they inquire and you said yep. through the phone or maybe through your website as well. Do you have like an inquiry form on your website? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Most of them come through email and stuff like that. So we'll send it through that, but we do get some calls still as well. Okay. So the inquiry comes in, you kind of create this expectation about the whole process, what all it looks like in great detail. I love that bold and underlined and italicized. Yes. Because <laughs> <and laughs> you get pointed. the same questions over and over. Yeah. You can realize what needs to be bolded and underlined and like reiterated. Yeah. I, I totally <laughs> understand that. I totally understand <laughs> that. And then the shoot itself, how long would you say the shoot itself lasts? Typically an hour because on the beach here, especially the way our face, like you probably have an hour of decent light. Because it kind of goes from, oh my gosh, I can't see. It's blasting. I'm like squinting. Everyone's squinting. Right. This is miserable. To like, oh, this is great soft light. And then it's like, boom, dead. <laughs> okay. Okay. So we kind of structure. We'll start off with our bigger groups and we'll shoot like our large family groupings together. And then we kind of break them up into smaller family units if they have that. And then we kind of go into what we call playtime. And I mean, we will get in the water with the kids and How fun. we will splash around. Yeah, we, I mean, my cameras are filthy all the time, <laughs> all the time. Cannon and I took it to CPS recently and he was like, uh, you have a lot of sand in here. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, That's I'm funny. very aware. <laughs> what cameras are you shooting with? Um, I have a Mark IV and then I have two Mark Threes. Okay. So, and they don't have too much of a problem kind of keeping the sand out of the important places either? No, from like, I've been lucky, I guess. I haven't like dunked them into the ocean per se, but <laughs> I mean, the sand and everything kind of flying around constantly. Like yeah. if you look at my lenses, it's just like you can see it around the ring and I'm very careful not to like scratch it, but it's just, it's there. It's, it's who we are, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So the, the, the shoot itself lasts about an hour and, yeah. then, mm -hmm. and then you once again, just kind of remind them or ask them, as you said, that. Uh, all right, about what time works best to come in this particular days, yep. and then you send that follow-up mm -hmm. reminder to them. And then you do yep. you call the images before you send them to photographers edit. How long does it take you to call the images? Um, I use photo mechanics, so under an hour, usually like 30 minutes at that. That's it depends great. if I'm watching a TV show and really like engrossed in it <laughs> or if I'm yeah. like sitting down and focusing and really calling. Yep, usually I turn the TV on, it takes me longer, but 
it gets done. <laughs> Same night, it gets done. That's cool. And how many images are you then sending to photographers that you're going to deliver to the client? Uh, typically, so I'm really bad at calling and my friends yell at me for this, but we, I tend to leave a few more in because we do shoot a lot of larger groups and a lot of small children. So we do a lot of head swap because as you know, two and three-year-olds don't really like to look when you want them to. Yeah, exactly. So I tend to leave in a few more poses of like groupings of the larger groups than I usually would if I was just shooting like a small family session. So typically it's about a hundred or so, depending on the size of the family and all those different things. Um, anywhere between 80 to a hundred probably. Cool. Okay. So then once you get those images, are, are you getting those images back from photographers edit then and doing the sales session with those images or are you picking yes. a few that you're displaying? How does that work? Yes. I, I don't really like showing unedited proofs. <laughs> I know sure. some people do that, but I just feel like it's a little bit better. They're a little bit more happy to see an edited one, I guess. I don't know. Um, but we, yeah, so we get them back. It takes about two days usually. And that's why we shoot no later than Tuesday. So we can get them in Thursday or Friday. So once we get them back, we will, um, watermark them and then we import them into our sales software and we'll also create a slideshow, which they'll come in and watch first. We'll sit down and watch that first to kind of get a feel for the images. And what sales and we'll software are you using? Fundy. Fundy. Okay. So does that have yeah. a slideshow built into it as well? They do now. I actually use Animoto for the slideshow because I've just always used them. Okay. Um, so we'll kind of set that, like set to music, you know, they kind of come in they're like, Ooh, they're so excited. Um, and then we'll use Fundy to kind of go through their gallery designer. We'll go through and kind of eliminate and kind of go through different things. And it's great too, because when you're putting things on a gallery, sometimes you don't get to talk through these options. And like, sometimes like, well, I like that, but Oh, my hair is kind of sticking up funny. And they don't necessarily know like that's an easy fix. And so they'll blow off a picture because, oh, maybe their hair is blowing in a weird way. or yeah. And so you're like, you're sitting and you're, you're able to talk to them and have that conversation. And they're like, oh, oh, you can do that. Yeah, that's not a problem. Not a problem. Okay, great. Yeah, like, let's do that one. You're like, okay. <laughs> that's cool. Simple enough. And it's just a little bit of communication that enables you to right. likely sell more than you would have if it just been posted to a gallery. Definitely. Yeah. And we've seen that time and time again when we've had to upload to galleries and versus them coming in time and time again in person always wins. Wow. And then how long would you say that sales session actually lasts? Typically about an hour. Okay. We've gotten them to where we can an hour. I mean, if it's multiple families, sometimes with our larger groupings, it could take a little bit longer because we're doing individual, like we're, they're doing their individual family kind of sales and different things like that. So it could take a little bit longer, but sure. for the most part, it's like under an hour or so. And then how many sessions, like during your busy season, how many sessions do you do in a week on average? So we try to limit it to three to four. Okay. So if it's like Cassie will shoot, usually um, during the height of our season this year, she was out a minimum twice a week, every week, all through probably like end of May through September. Even wow. now she's still, yeah, we thought it would slow down, but the warm weather in North Carolina <laughs> still still going. But Hey, kudos so to you she, and your SEO. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, so she's still out there a lot. So I kind of feel bad. Hi, Cassie. Love you. Um <laughs> But yeah, so she was out there two to three times a week this summer. Wow. I My goal when I brought her on was for me to not be out there as much, which I definitely succeeded in. <laughs> so she's been out there a lot more than I have. Well, nice. Cassie, we thank you for your wonderful, wonderful yes, work. Yes, thank you, Cassie. <laughs> Don't ever leave me. <laughs> well, and I, I think this is actually a really interesting, um, just kind of a business model to observe for photographers who aren't 
in a beachside setting where they're shooting beach portraits and they're limited just naturally um, by their client's schedule in the time frame that they need to deliver the images because you're proving the very fact that if you are intentional in the process and the workflow that you create, you can easily, well, I, I won't say easily, but you can certainly deliver images, do a shoot and deliver, have the images edited um, and then deliver those images in a sales process, which helps for higher conversion and, and additional sales, um, all within a week's time frame, which yeah. is in a client experience that I would venture that not every one of our, our listeners are providing. And this is something to kind of work toward. But I, I think this is a really wonderful, very simple workflow as far as the outline goes, um, a workflow that can be probably tweaked even a little bit for those listening that might have a little bit different schedule with clients. Um, but this is something that you can strive for. And again, that quick turnaround time will mean a much better experience for your clients, much better yeah. reviews. Um, this is a wonderful, wonderful example that you're providing for us, Aaron. So I, I really can't thank you enough for making time to do this. Yeah, no problem. Thank you. Well, and where can our listeners find you online, follow what you're doing online? Sure. Um, our website is AaronCostaPhoto.com. Um, then our Instagram is, I think, just Instagram. And then it's Aaron Costa Photo as well, if you want to watch my dog stories they're there <laughs> so you can duke you're welcome <laughs> what um, kind of dogs do you have they're like lab rescue mixes so zeke is like a 40 well i weighed him at the vet the other day he's like 48 pounds so you will see lots of me cuddling with him because he's in my lap like he's a child um but yeah so lots of dog stories coffee you know <laughs> crossfit if you're anyone's out yes. there yes um, and then just Facebook, it's just Aaron Costa photography. Okay, perfect. So, um, and by the way, that's Aaron Costa. So it's E R I N C O S T A and then photo.com. The same thing on yes. Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. it, really Aaron, I, I can't thank you enough for making time amidst your busy schedule to come no, and share with you. our this listeners. Fun. This is really, really good stuff. I know it's going to be extremely valuable for our listeners and, uh, I, I may hit you up again for that SEO podcast. Episode. Oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Era. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the Boca Podcast. Please let us know what you thought by leaving us a review in iTunes. If you'd like to hear a particular photographer or entrepreneur in a future episode, don't hesitate to email me, Nathan at PhotographersEdit.com. The Boca Podcast is brought to you by Photographers Edit, custom post-production for the wedding and portrait photographer. Visit Photographers Edit dot com.